Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, uh, folks. Uh, welcome to another episode of The Wisdom of Friends, and I'm your host, Kalaras. And today I'm really delighted and excited to be introducing you to a good friend of mine. Her name is Carol Gardner, the founder of Zelda Wisdom. As most of you know, at age 52, Carol Gardner was divorced, depressed, and in debt for over a million dollars. Her divorce attorney laughingly suggested that Gardner needed a new chapter in her life. And that now she had a choice, get a therapist or get a dog. Gardner chose dog, and that dog turned her life around. Zelda, a short stout English bulldog, became an instant success. Appearing on Hallmark greeting cards, books, calendars, cookie jars, and just about every other imaginable product. Now, at age 72, Carol Gardner is back this time touting Zelda's boyfriend, a rescued dog named Max Daddy. When Carol rescued Max Daddy, he came to her with a lot of issues such as arthritis and joint pain. In her research to find help for Max Daddy, Carol was introduced to CBD, the non-psychoactive oil from hemp. There were small companies producing dog treats and oils containing CBD, but they weren't up to Gardner's standards. Fast forward to now. Carol and her business partners pull together a top dog team of PhDs, scientists, a marketing visual master, and two business pros. The results, you may ask? Gardner's new company, Max Daddy Inc., was created to help dogs with anxiety, seizures, arthritis, joint pain, mobility, and itching issues. The company now offers Max Daddy Bark Nuggets and Mark's Max Daddy Bark Dust. Friends, in this episode, we talk about Carol's blueprint for business success, including how to marry your passion with profit. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Carol Gardner. So good afternoon, uh, Carol. Welcome to the Wisdom of Friends show. I'm really excited uh, that you took the time to be on this program. And let me start off by saying how we got introduced through a common friend, Terry Beer, who speaks very highly of you. And uh, after I read your uh, story and what you've accomplished, and I know that having you on the show is going to be a treat for our audience. And I'm so delighted and excited that uh, you're on the show. So welcome to the Wisdom of Friends show. Thank you, Cal. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So sh- go ahead. <laughs> so, Carol, one of the ways we kick kick off our show is by asking our guests a simple yet profound question. And that is, what is your favorite quotation or philosophy that you live by and how have you applied it to your life? Oh, boy, that's a good one. And because I do one liners, you can imagine. And I even have. Uh, And I didn't know you were going to ask this, but I have it sitting here because it is my favorite. It's what I live by. And this is Zelda. And this is, it says, think outside your cage. And literally, that has always been 
very important to me. It's not, uh, and I can say that it bothered me when they had think outside the box. And that really, I, I thought, we don't live in a box. Very few people, we all, yeah, you know, for the most part, have vision. We can see, but yet we're in cages. And we tend to be followers. Uh, I have a word for that called wind sniffers. And we see a trend and everybody goes, oh, and they go along with it. And I like to say, think outside your cage. Get outside that you know, little trap that you're in and think beyond that. So that is... You know, that is fantastic. And I totally uh, agree with you because I think this whole analogy and the concept of the box, uh, you know, when you associate yourself with something like a boundary or a box, you try to get linked to that and it's hard to get away from it. And and how about just get rid of the box? And as you did it brilliantly, like, you know, get rid of the cage completely, think outside the cage. So you you actually play with your neuro associations and, uh, you know, really a brain hacking tip right there if you want to have a breakthrough in your thinking. So that's great. Uh, what I'm curious about, Carol, is uh, what did your parents do and how did that shape your life? And what I mean by that is what, where did you grow up and how would you describe your childhood? Um, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. And uh, so I'm a Northwest girl and, and actually almost four generations of Oregonians. So they came around the horn and across the Panama Canal and came up. They, they, came, they came for gold. And they didn't find it. So they you know, moved on up to Oregon and found timber. And so that is how we ended up here. My uh, mother was a you know stay-at-home mom. I was an only child, which was a great advantage, Cal, because that took away gender. And way back when I was young, there were certain roles for women and certain roles for men or girls and boys. But I had to serve both because there wasn't anybody else. I didn't have a brother. And so my father would take me duck hunting. I didn't really like it, but it was... You know, part of the balance in, okay, you know, you're, this is part of the family. And without a son, I was it. <laughs> and, uh, so that was, uh, that was a little bit of, of how I grew up. My mother was extremely wise. And she, one of the things she told me, Cal, was don't go off and get married young. She said, find your own identity. And be you, and you will. You may always need that, and you need to know who you are before you latch on with someone else, and perhaps have to take on their identity. So uh, that was very, very helpful advice from my mother. Yeah. She had more, but <laughs> <laughs> no, this is really great because I think uh, I'm sure you must have. Uh, dealt with that uh, challenge of defining your identity at the age of 52 when you went through a divorce as to what do I do next? And uh, prior to that, you also had uh, a career in advertising. So my question to you is, when you uh, did you always know that advertising and creative outlet was your passion? Was that something that you were meant to do? And the reason I ask is most of our listeners on this show often struggle with the question is, what, what's my purpose? What am I meant to do? Uh, or what are my gifts? How do I give back? 
And what would you say to that? And what was your story? How did you know advertising was your uh, passion? Well, it was from the get-go. I mean, from the time I was little, I created, I wrote one-liners, I wrote plays, I did puppet shows, I did, and this was when I was really little. And I just loved, but I was kind of a born entrepreneur also. Uh, when I was in high school, they gave you, they gave us this test to tell us, you know, what career we should take. And boy, mine came out 150%. I should be a creative director in advertising. So even from then, and also in high school, another person told me something that was extremely wise. Let your occupation be your sport. Mm. My occupation has always been my sport. I have so much fun. And if you look at my track record, you'll go, Wow, that must have been fun, you know, from writing bumper sticker wisdom to doing Zelda to doing now Max Daddy. It's all been fun. And that finding your passion is is also part of it. And a, a little addendum to that is that when your listeners may wonder, you know, what is you know what what should I do? Uh, I will often recommend taking out one piece of paper. And on the top side, write everything that you love to do, that you're good at, that you're passionate about. And on the other side, write things that you are, you, you, you might be able to do them, but you don't like to do them. I had accounting was at the top of my list on the flip side, because yeah, there, that's just not my favorite thing to do. I can do it, but I don't want to. And so I took that piece of paper and when I was looking for, you know, what can I do, I carried it around. I had it in my purse. I had it in my pocket. And I would go around. And because it was with me, I was always thinking about it. And it was extremely helpful because when, um, you know, when I was had the idea to do Zelda, I was going out and, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And someone came to my house and, and I was... Uh, not exactly flush with cash at the time. In fact, I was far from that. And this person came in and said, Carol, I was just at the local dog store, pet store, and they're having their annual greeting card contest. You can win that. And I went, and I had never thought about greeting cards. Never occurred to me. But as she mentioned it to me, I thought, light bulb went on. And I thought, well, how fun is that? Uh, I will, you know, I can do that. And with my background in advertising, I thought, I better win this contest. And uh, so what I did was I sat down and I took out uh, you know, uh, another tablet of paper and I started writing one-liners. And I'd you know, think about them and then I'd toss them out, toss them out. My bottom line in writing one-liners is it, a great one-liner has to have three things. It has to be daring and it has to be different. Those are the easy things. It, third thing is it has to be smart. That's the hard one because you can be daring different stupid easily. But daring uh, <laughs> different smart takes a little more work. And so with the, um, the concept of the greeting card, I uh, came up with a line that I thought nobody but nobody is going to come up with a line like this one. And I went to a neighbor's house and you know, I just had huge debt so I couldn't spend anything. Uh, and I borrowed a Santa hat from uh, a neighbor. She didn't have the beard, 
So I filled up my bathtub with bubble bath Mm. and I lowered little 60 pound Zelda, the English bulldog into the bathtub and it had bubbles. So I put the bubbles around her face for the beard and the Santa hat on her head. And I kept telling her, Zelda, this is about food. You know, and the prize was if we won would be 40 pounds of dog food every month for a year. And my cupboards were looking pretty bare at that time. So I thought, I need to win this. So I snapped the picture, wrote the one-liner, sent it off. And then I waited and waited. About two weeks later, an envelope, a letter comes in the mail and from the Bark Market. So I say, Zelda, sit up on the couch with me. And I say, okay, here we go. And I rip it open and I start reading. It says, congratulations, Zelda and Carol. You are our grand prize winner. Goes, oh, 40 pounds of dog food. Woo-hoo. And you will be receiving, you know, the 40 pounds and, and whatever. And what, uh, and this was really the, what triggered my thinking back to that one piece of paper. What are you passionate about? What are you good at? I'm passionate about dogs. I think I'm good at writing one liners. And it was just like, wow, yo-ho, here we go. The line on the card, by the way, said, and this was after a very tough divorce, said, for Christmas, I got a dog for my husband. Good trade, huh? <laughs> so it won the contest. So that was, uh, and I think winning the contest was a little bit of proof that it was daring, different, and smart. So. No, that's fantastic. And uh, so sounds like, just to recap, You made a list of things that you're passionate about. You made a list of things that you like to do and don't like to do. And you kept that list with you in your purse because that really prompted your thinking. And you were open to opportunities because once your neighbor came and told you about the contest in the local neighborhood, uh, you saw that opportunity, saw that opening. You said to yourself, I could do it. And that triggered another set of actions for you. And it was something that was fun, doable, and it would felt into your zone of competency, if you will. And uh, and as you said, you came up with that daring, different, and smart line, the one-liner that won you the prize for uh, Zelda and you for the rest of the year. Now, that is such a great story. So what I'm curious about, and before we go any further with the story of Zelda Wisdom, Tell us about that moment when you met Zelda, when you saw Zelda for the first time. What was that like? Uh, well, <laughs> it, it all had to do with my divorce, actually. And my divorce attorney, very fun you know, woman, said to me, trying to be humorous, said, sweetheart, you need to see either a therapist or a dog. And again, the light bulb went on. And I, I said, dog, I choose dog. And it was, you know, I needed a little love and laughter in my life. And dog could bring that, I thought. And even more specifically, I had always, when I was working in advertising, I always wanted to use an English bulldog. Why do you think, Cal? Why do you think I want to use an English bulldog? Beach me, tell me. It's a creative love. It's probably a love affair right there. (laughs) Okay. Because bulldogs look like funny people. (laughs) They really do. I mean, sometimes we travel on an airplane and Zelda be sitting next to me on the plane. And we usually get boarded first because she has four legs and not two. And so they let us get on early. And then people get on. Some of them haven't seen her. 
and I swear, they walk by us and they do a double take because first they think it's a funny looking person and they realize it's a dog and they go, oh, and then they laugh. And I, I do, I so believe that humor is healing, Cal. And it has certainly healed me through all the ups and downs that, you know, happen in everyone's lives and in my life. That's great. So uh, how did you meet Zelda? Was it a classified ad that you saw or uh, did you somebody recommended it or what was that like? No. Again, one of these meant to be things. Uh, oh, you have to be looking. But I came home from the attorney's office and I pulled out the classified section from the newspaper because that was before Craigslist and you know, it was back in the 90s. So uh, I pull out the classifieds and I look and one ad just popped out. It was for a four-month-old female English bulldog. And the reason that was important was, one, four months is you know, a, a good, it hasn't been trained by somebody else. And uh, the, the English bulldog, I'd already explained, female. This was in the late 90s. And I was thinking about the next century. And I thought, this is really going to be the century for the women to come out and you know find their identities like my mother said and so i wanted a female so here was this four-month-old female english bulldog and i called and made an appointment and love at first sight i mean it was and she was you know, little and i just picked her up and hugged her and it really was love at first sight and you know uh loved her for the next 14 years Wonderful, wonderful. Such a beautiful story. Now, was that Zelda the original name or did you come up with that or uh, how did that? uh... (laughs) Uh, that, That's my name. And uh, she had a name like something like Judy or something. And I thought, no, that's not good enough. And I was always a great fan of Zelda Fitzgerald. And I realized that Zelda Fitzgerald worked hand in hand with F. Scott Fitzgerald. And the two of them were a team. And I thought, okay, that's a really good, good name. It was five letters. And I thought, Oprah, Zelda. I'm back to my advertising. And so I'm thinking five letters, Zelda. And the Z, what seems like the end, Cal, could be the beginning. And that was really important for me. Okay? No, that's great. That's uh, that's amazing. Uh, and here's another question that, uh, as you can tell, I probably have a lot of questions, and I could talk to you for a long, long time here. But uh, <laughs> but what I'm curious about is, you know, when you've had these amazing uh, successes during the course of your career, and uh, if you had to look back at your life, and you know, we all have these moments, the breakthrough moments that. Uh, that are the turning points in our lives, you know, when life is never the same again. Was there a specific moment for you that when you look back at your career with, you know, all these uh, amazing things happen, that 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 was that defining moment, that was that strategic inflection point that totally altered or changed or transformed your career or your success trajectory, if you will. Is there a point that you can think of that really, uh, that, you think that was it or it was a, probably a lot of different uh, points along the way. I'm just curious. There, there were a lot of points along the way. And, uh, I am, I, I'm like, I was born an entrepreneur, literally. 
And as I said earlier, I just started creating ideas that were daring different smart from the get-go. It's, uh, I remember we lived down in San Diego on the beach and uh, not exactly on the beach, but our house faced the, the ocean. And I went out and I found these little tiny, tiny clams. I mean, they were that, that big and they were, there were a zillion of them. You just had to scoop them out of the sand. So I came up with this idea and I was probably in the first grade. And so I collected a whole you know, bucket full of these little tiny clams and I went door to door selling them as it was kind of a precursor to the pet rock. You didn't have to feed them. You didn't have to, it was your, the ultimate pet. And people bought them because nobody had ever come to their door. And here was this little girl who was saying, yeah, this is the ultimate pet for you. Look at this little clam. You can have it. You know, don't have to feed it. Doesn't cost you much, except you have to buy it from me. And uh, so that's just a, an example of the entrepreneurship that has always, always been with me, and it's been sort of one, uh, you know, uh, idea after another, and one light bulb after another. No, that's uh, that's really great, and uh, you know, it's it's amazing that you you've held on to that creative aspect of you, your your strength or your superpower, if you will, the ability to think outside the cage, if you as you put it, and. Because a lot of people, as they grow older, and you know, they tend to lose and lose touch with their their strengths or their skill set or their passion, and it's uh, they just get caught up in the dimension of life because of just the challenges and ebb and flow of life. And it's amazing. So, congrats and kudos to you for keeping that creative streak going. Uh, for I mean, it's it's amazing. So, here's another question for you, Carol, and that is. You know, um, we've had many people on the show, uh, really amazingly successful people, but they've always, uh, they've always had moments in their lives when, uh, you know, when, the, when you look at it from outside, it may le- seem like a point of failure. But for them, it was that stepping stone to even greater success. Uh, so my question to you is, when you look back at your life, what were one or two biggest challenges of your life? And that you faced, and what I, what I would like to say is that that was like a favorite failure. And what I mean by that is that failure was not really a failure, but that turned into a major success down the road. When you look back, there are lessons to be learned from it. So, what was that moment for your incident or event for you? Well, I think when the rug was pulled out from underneath me, my divorce really surprised me. I wasn't ready for divorce at age fifty-two, and to find myself you know, in debt, depressed. Uh, it, I had not anticipated that. Um, but the, always in the past, wherever there were obstacles that, you know, that happened, I relied on humor. And humor saved me every time. And I, I mean, I've had health issues that are just, <laughs> my son, who's a transplant surgeon, says, mother, you should be dead. I mean, given, I've broken my neck twice. Uh, I've, I'm a type one diabetic. I have, I, you know, I've broken every bone in my body. And to overcome those things, I've always found if I laugh, I can live. And so that's kind of my secret little sauce is the, you know, if you can laugh, you can live. Well, that's, uh, that's really uh, inspiring. It's, uh, 
I mean, that's your secret sauce, as you said. It's like if you can uh, laugh, you can live. And that's such a beautiful message for all of us is to find uh, the humor in every situation. Uh, no, that's so great. Even when it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Especially when it's not funny. I mean, that's the hardest part. And uh, for sure, that's great. Uh, when you look back uh, at your life, uh, whom did you growing up? Were your role models that you wanted to emulate? Uh, were there any particular mentors that you guided you along the way? Anybody you want to give a shout out to? Or I would say my parents. Uh, mm -hmm. They were extraordinary, and they really made the difference for me. Uh, they gave me the freedom to think outside the cage, and that. Uh, that was amazing for, for a, a creative person to be able to do things that perhaps were a little daring and different. Uh, they may have wondered at the time whether it was smart or not, but they gave me that freedom to think outside my cage and to act out, act out those thoughts and, and creative ideas. Uh, so great. So uh, shifting gears here, a little bit about your hobbies and interests. What are your favorite hobbies and interests? At this point in your life, are you pursuing any of your uh, other creative uh, pursuits? <laughs> uh, remember how I said uh, I, someone had told me that your occupation be your sport? Well, my occupation is my sport. And Cal, I play it every day, all day, and I have so much fun. I mean, you see, I, I told you, I mean, uh, Must Love Dogs should be you know, my favorite movie uh, because I really love them and those funny bulldogs make me laugh all i have to do is look at them and they inspire me they're my canvas and that's really what i do all the time and so i don't play tennis i don't play golf i play work but work is play so it's a it's a sport it's a sport absolutely and singing how about singing i <laughs> I have the worst voice of anybody. I don't think so. I heard your uh, YouTube clip with your singing song online, and I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I was lip syncing. And, so, and I was lip syncing mainly because I cannot sing. When I was a young girl, we would I would go to church with my family, and they had the hymns, and we were supposed to sing along. Well, if I sang... The people in the pew in front of me would turn around and sort of go, you know, keep it down. And so I learned to lip sync when I was very young. And I have you know, no singing ability whatsoever. But, uh, you know, if I can borrow somebody else's voice, then uh, I have fun doing that. <laughs> well, that's great. Um at this point in your life, when you have had the experience of ebb and flow of uh, life as we speak, uh, so to speak, what's your definition of a successful life or a good life in your oh, view? Basically, it boils down to one word, happiness. Mm -hmm. And I think, bottom line, if you're happy, that's a success. And it's not about money. It's really about how you feel. Are you happy? Do you want to jump out of bed in the morning? And that's more important to me than anything. Well, that's such a, such a wise advice right there. And here's a hypothetical uh, situation, Carol. If you could go back in time and talk to your young self 
after having had all these uh, amazing experiences, talk to your young self, like let's say uh, uh, your early teens, what advice would you give her? Mm, a, a lot, because, you know, I write one-liners on the body. <laughs> so, you know, can I open my book? And go through, I have 13 books out, so, you know, we'll, we'll take it. But uh, something that I'm looking up at right now that's on my wall, it's a, an image of Zelda wearing boxing gloves and boxing shorts, and she has a bandage over her eye. And the line on it says, tough times never last, tough people do. Mm. That is, uh, when I think of that, I don't give up. Uh, I never, never, never give up. Um, I think, uh, again, people who give up become victims. And that's so sad. I mean, to be a victim is to be a loser. And I just would encourage people to you know, go forward, move, move ahead, do what you can do, do something that makes you happy. But get out there and do it. Don't sit and, you know, dwell on how unhappy you are. No, it's, uh, that's great. It's taking massive action for sure. So uh, moving on to our next section uh, and, uh, you know, taking a step back at that point when you won that contest, I would like to talk about the evolution. And, you know, uh, as you said in one of your interviews, evolution, when you uh, evolve and you spell it backwards, it's love. And uh, so I'd like to talk about the evolution of, uh, you know, Zelda wisdom, and then we'll talk about your current passion project of Max Daddy, and we'll get into that. So walk us through your thought process and your creative process when you won that contest. Uh, you you got that, you know, one year of uh, free dog food for you and Zelda. You were excited, happy, and that was a really great creative self-expression. <laughs> It's okay, you know, it's a little ketchup on it. It's not bad. Uh, but, no, what, what that was a starting point, obviously, for Zelda Wisdom. And now uh, I give talks uh, about how to go from underdog to top dog without barking up the wrong tree. I was clearly an underdog at that point. And so I, the first thing I did was one to take, you know, you know, I had the idea of doing the greeting cards, but then I had to research it. I had to know everything there was about the greeting card industry. The bad news is that 97% of all startup greeting card companies fail in the first two years. 97%. Now, so I thought, why do they fail? I went to stores, I carried greeting cards, and I walked in and I thought, of course they fail. Why do you think they fail, Cal? Because they don't know their audience, or they, they don't have humor, or they, they don't create something that's uh, memorable, or could be one of those reasons. They were all the same. Mm. And sameness. That, and, and I try to encourage people, when you have a passion for something, and you think, oh, hey, I could have a career doing X, Y, Z. For me, it was greeting cards. So I walk in, and I see they're all the same. They all had pastel backgrounds. And I thought, well, no wonder they fail. You walk in a store, it's overwhelming because they all look the same. And you can't, there's nothing that pops out for you. So uh, I, my first idea was I'll put a white background on my greeting cards. No one in the 90s was putting white backgrounds on their greeting cards. And second thing I noticed was that they were all about either occasions 
or holidays. Mm. Thought I write one-liners. I don't want to do you know birthdays and you know anniversaries and Christmas and Valentine's Day. I want to do cards that people can send every day. So really, it was uh, I started doing cards that you could send every single day. And uh, Zelda was a great canvas for me. Uh, she had the right five-letter name, Zelda, and I added her last name was Wisdom because I thought she was a smart dog. And uh, so with with that in mind, um, I thought, okay, I need to then test the market because you, you really, you do your research and then you come up with what's something that's daring, different, and smart by thinking outside your cage. And when you come up with that idea, don't bet the farm, test it. Mm. Well, I couldn't afford to bet the farm because I didn't even have a farm to bet, but I was still living on four credit cards and that was tight. It was, in a way, it was an advantage because I just had to be so cautious with every decision I made. So, you know, I did that. Uh, I needed a couple of people on my team because one, I'm not a professional photographer and two, I'm not a PR person. And those two people were critical for me to launch my and test my greeting card line. So the first thing I did was call the best photographer I do. And I thought, start the top. And so I called Shane Young and I had worked with him on some other projects and I knew that he's genius. He is just so good. So I explained what I want to do and he interrupts me, Cal, and says, let us stop for just a minute, Carol. You mean you are dressing up your dog. You want me to come and take pictures of this and you can't pay me, right? And I said, well, not exactly. You know, you, you come and see what I see and we can maybe become partners and you'll see that this has more potential for you than getting paid for the job. So I convinced him and I did the same thing with the PR person and we so we were set to go we went to the studio and our photographer had a studio so we went in and uh, I used a lot of my own clothes because Zelda and I are about the same size 32 32 32 <laughs> <laughs> so did that and with by testing it uh, and so we, we got the cards we convinced a printer to give us three months before we had to pay for a thousand of each of the 24 cards, a thousand of each of the three posters. And so we had three months. We had to sell everything. We got used the PR and we were in, I'm in Oregon. And so uh, the local newspaper, the local magazines, uh, the magazines and newspapers in Seattle all started carrying our stories, television stations. And they loved, I mean, it was, it was very funny because there's, Zelda, this little chubby English bulldog, trotting around in her bikini with the ruffles around the rear, and we're taking pictures. And uh, one of the uh, news news anchors said something that still makes me laugh. She said, "Now here's a supermodel I can really relate to." <laughs> so uh, that was that was that. And once the test was, and it was so successful, we sold out. I mean, it was like. 
almost overnight. And the stores would call back and we kept getting orders and orders and orders. This was then the go ahead for go big and go back to the New York stationary show and see what you can do. Amazing. So, uh, so what I'm gathering are a couple of things here. One is you walk into a greeting card store because that's where you wanted to start. You look for what are people already doing and what are they not doing? You were very observant. Your, your acute uh, observation helped you notice that there was an opportunity right there, that there were cards for certain occasions, but you wanted cards that uh, you could people could send out every day. And that was like including your uh, strengths, which is one-liners and wisdom and things like that. And the second thing was uh, you identified the talent that you would need to take it to the next level. So you found out you need a photographer, you need a PR person. You went and hired the two top people in the business at that time that you knew, and you enrolled them in, in this vision that you, uh, and they got excited with it. And then the next thing you did, which a lot of people don't do, is you test marketed that thing instead of going big and betting the farm. And, uh, and once you saw those uh, orders coming back and everything getting sold out in, like, uh, in record time, you knew that was a signal to go ahead and go big. And that's what you did. So, so what happens after that? What do you well, do next? After that, then it's, it's, you know, go big or go home. And we went big. I used what was left on my four credit cards. And we took out a little 10 foot by 10 foot booth at the New York Stationery Show. And this is the one show a year where all the greeting card companies come and show what they have. And stores will come around and place orders. So we go back and uh, walk in and there were all on the main floor, all the top dogs, the hallmarks, the American greetings, the portal publications, the, you know, every, all the top dogs were on the main floor. Went over and picked up my little booth number, booth number 547, and uh, walked over to the escalator that went down. Remember, top dogs were on the main floor, underdogs down in the basement. So I was an underdog, and that was the only time, Cal, that I thought, Maybe, just maybe, I made a mistake because I was going down the escalator and there were hundreds of these little 10 foot by 10 foot booths. The closer I got, the better I felt because like walking into the greeting card store, they were all the same. They all had pastel backgrounds. They're, they all, I mean, they, the booths were pastel. Everything was all the same. No one thought outside their cage. And so we got to our little booth. Our booth had black walls on it. And because our greeting cards and posters had white backgrounds. So it really showed it off. We had black and white tiles on the floor. We had also, and this is back around the year 2000, uh, we rented a TV monitor and we ran loops of those television newscasts where you know the woman said, now here's a supermodel I can relate to. And so we had all this going on at the front of the booth. In addition to which, and I just can't say enough, daring, different, and smart. Think outside your cage. I was, this surprised me because we were the only small greeting card company that took out a full page ad in the show's catalog, the only one. 
And the rest took out like little quarter page ads, which were full of copy. You'd never, I mean, you just, you didn't look at them even. We did a full page ad that was, well, you can't see it here. It's Zelda's, um, let's see, do I have it? No, I don't have it here. It's our logo that's uh, Why Be Normal? And that's our logo because we clearly are not normal. But we had that in the middle of a big white full page. It said, all it said was, there's Zelda dressed as a bee. And it says, why be normal? Question mark. And then on the bottom, it just had one line. It had our booth number that we did greeting cards and posters. That was it. And so it was very clean. And hopefully it left people curious. And we were hoping that the top dogs on the main floor would come down. And um, so would the people who were from the stores who were wanting to buy my goal, and this may surprise you, my goal wasn't actually to sell greeting cards. My goal was to have to interest one of those top dog companies in taking us under their umbrella. I didn't want to run a greeting card company. I, you know, do what you're best at, and I'm best at creating. And I didn't want to hire reps. I didn't want to produce, you know, greeting cards and have factories and all of all of that um so my goal was to you know, find find one of those top dogs to come downstairs and say hey come under our umbrella what happened the day the show opened it was like you know wall street is like on one of those crazy trading days where they're all waving their arms and throwing money at you they were throwing money at us it was 10 deep all around our booth and people from, and this surprised me, I didn't even think of an international clientele, but there were people buying the Zelda cards from Estonia and Tasmania, and I wasn't sure where those places were, but you know, we just kept writing out the orders and taking them, and I was on the phone to the printer going, print another 100,000, print another 100,000, and we sold over a million cards uh, at that time. The most important thing, however, was not selling the cards. We were contacted by one of the largest licensing agencies in the world. And they had heard uh, rumors you know, fast. And uh, they came to the booth and they said, we would like to license you. And uh, we're the largest licensing agency. We want you, we want to represent you. And uh, that was a dream come true. They represented companies like AT&T, Harley-Davidson, Coca-Cola, and Zelda. So it was like, whoa, how <laughs> this instant gratification. And I needed that because, you know, I was, my credit cards were, you know, I was, I was maxing out on the credit cards. So uh, it was, I was a very, very happy, happy woman at that time. I'm sure that's great. And uh, really, for the benefit of the audience, I think uh, what uh, Carol did here and shared brilliantly with all of us here is the vision of knowing your outcome before making some of these big decisions. And, you know, you went in, it wasn't about the greeting cards. It was about really uh, having one of the big companies out there that can uh, partner up with you as a licensing and all that so that knowing what your strengths are and focusing on that so you didn't have to take on anything that you didn't want to get into and that would bring you down and slow you down in a lot of ways. Remember that piece, one piece of paper I talked about, really important because 
I wanted to do was what was on the top side of the paper. And running an entire greeting card company, I would have had to flip the paper over and do a lot of the things that I wasn't good at, I didn't like to do. And so going way, way back, it is very helpful if you make that list and think about it as you're going out and looking at opportunities that could interest you. Great. Uh, and then uh, were there any other moments uh, after the licensing and everything took off that was another level that uh, you had to get to with the company or was that just smooth sailing after that or how did that go well, uh, yeah. happen for you? It went so fast that within, I mean, we signed with, uh, and this is a business strategy, we signed uh, with the greeting card company called Portal. And Portal is a high-end greeting card company. And they, did, they do posters and they do calendars and they do, you know, all kinds of things. And so uh, we wanted to go back to business strategy to the high-end market. And we did that. We were at Portal for three years. And then we were ready to go big-time mass market. And that was when we went with Hallmark. And that was huge. I mean, it was all over the world. It was global. It was in the millions. And it was, it was, it was really big. And that was, was good. Another thing that did surprise me with the uh, signing with that licensing agency, they brought me within, I mean, within the first month, I had a contract to write books. And so all of a sudden, we were not only producing images for greeting cards, we turned them into images for books also. And then there were other products. And we did hundreds of products putting the Zelda images on those products. So here's a question that I'm curious about. You know, these are some really important, critical decisions, not only business-wise, but life-wise uh, as well. What's your process when you make those uh, important decisions how do you how do you what's your litmus test of knowing that this is the right path i'm going to take because sometimes you could end up with a lot of dilemmas if right. you will with a lot of these options looking equally good that right. i could stay where i am and continue doing what i'm doing or i could take that risk and go with something different and big and that that's a lot of opportunities out there how do you choose to make the right decision what's your process for that it's all about strategy and doing your research. Uh, look at your competition, see what they're doing. Uh, know know how to negotiate, uh, and those were really critical things for me in making decisions. Like I just said, we didn't go with Hallmark at the get go because we had a business strategy that said no, start high and go you know, on down, you never see uh, a designer start in with a middle tier. Uh, they start on Fifth Avenue and then they go to Target and Walmart and, but they'll start higher. And so it was, a, it was all about the business strategy. Great. So fast forward to now and uh, let's talk, talk about Max Daddy. How did that, uh, so that's a perfect segue into because that's again a brilliant idea that uh, you and uh, your two business partners have come up with. So walk us through that. What was that genesis of Max Daddy? It was almost an accident uh, because I, obviously I'm still doing Zelda. We just 
completed the all the photo the photo shoot on the 2020 Zelda Wisdom calendar. So I'm still doing Zelda, but after a certain amount of time, you tend to get a little bored with doing the same, the same, the same thing. And uh, about six years ago, I had I love dogs, and you know my must love dogs. I love dogs, and I adopted a rescue whose name was Otis, and Otis had been you know, abused, and he was five or six years old when I adopted him, um, and he was, both Zelda and I just fell in love with him immediately, and he loved being with us, and he, he really enjoyed going to the studio and dressing up and being in front of the camera. He, yeah, these bulldogs love being a star. They, they get all the attention, and they go, okay, and they have their little stage, and uh, recently we did one, and this is kind of a non sequitur, but almost. Um, and we were doing a shot with, and Zelda was the, you know, the focus on this shot. Max Daddy came up behind her, pushed her off the little stage, <laughs> and he jumped up on the, you know, on the little stage we have. We have it's like a lazy Susan, and it rotates so that we can move it around. It's very not far off the ground, but anyway, it's they they love to be the star. And so, you know, that was um, was an important part of, of, you know, our moving along. No, that's great. And then uh, there was a recent article uh, in Guardian that you had shared earlier, which is uh, really made Max Daddy very popular as well globally. And we'll include that in the show notes for people who would like to find out more about Max Daddy. So. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch upon, Carol, is your uh, you've also you're also an author, and you've written a book, and uh, you know you you like to bring your creative process to writing, and so tell us about your writing process. Now, how do you? What's the best part about writing, or what's the hardest part about writing for you? Coming up with these creative ideas. It's not hard, really, because it's what I do. It's what it's my sport again, and if you play your sport every day, all day long. You'll see uh, Olympic tennis stars. Well, they're they're in the Olympics because they do it all day long, and that's what I do all day long. And uh, I enjoy writing. I enjoy the visual and the verbal, Cal. And so for me, uh, the I did before I started Zelda. Uh, and I haven't even mentioned this one, but uh, I did a book called Bumper Sticker Wisdom. And USA Today called it the number one humor book of the year. And it was something that I'd always talked about with my family. And my son finally got sick of hearing me say, somebody should do a book about bumper stickers because nobody ever has. And I write one-liners and they intrigue me. Whenever I'd see a good one, I go, darn, I wish I'd written that. And so my son said, mother, write the book. And so for two years, Cal, I traveled around the country, bumper sticker stalking people. And I would chase them in my car. And <laughs> they'd stop at a red light. And I'd jump out of the car and I'd run up and I had cards printed that said, you know, I was the author of Bumper Sticker Wisdom. I'd hand them that. They'd roll down their window. I don't think they would have done that for a man. But, they, you know, I'm not very threatening looking. So they'd roll down their window and I'd say, I'm doing a, I need a book about bumper stickers. I really like your bumper stickers. Would you please pull over so I can interview you very quickly? And they all pulled over. And it was a portrait of America. Back again to fun. 
And I didn't even have to write that because I just had to interview the people and say, tell me, why do you have that on your car? And I'd photograph them. Uh, I'm not a great photographer, but it was okay because it was, uh, you know, it was real. And it, it was a portrait of America in the 90s. And so writing, uh, I, I usually write one-liners. It gets beyond that, I go, oh, no. You know, I get bored beyond one line. So I try to keep it short. No, that's great. And, uh, you know, there was a question asked of Dr. Wayne Dyer, uh, the late Dr. Wayne Dyer, that, you know, what about what is it about writing that keeps him going? And he uh, he. He gave this analogy of how Picasso liked to paint, and that's how writing was for him. And it sounds like writing one-liners is for you. It just comes naturally to you, and you know it's a creative outlet, and it's something that uh, that you really, really enjoy doing. So, uh, switching gears here to our next section, in the interest of time, uh, this is the rapid fire round. And Carol, uh, I'm going to ask you a bunch of fun questions, and it's the first response that comes to your mind. Uh, so, my first question to you is: Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So, who is your favorite music band? I don't have any. <laughs> okay, the next question. I can't even answer these questions. <laughs> if you ask me, you know, ask me about Max Daddy, and I can tell you all about <laughs> Max Daddy and the fact that at age 72, uh, I, you know, rescued this dog. Uh, Otis, Otis, as I said before, passed away uh, when he was 12, and Zelda and I needed, uh, we were, we were heartbroken. And so I went online and I looked at shelters around the country and I found a clone for Otis. And I flew back to uh, Illinois where Max Daddy lived and that was his name and uh, adopted Max Daddy. And one of my business partners came with me, which was so kind of him because it was a long drive back from Illinois <laughs> up to Portland, Oregon, but I adopted him. When I adopted him, Cal, he came with all of this medicine. I didn't realize at the time how ill he was. He really couldn't, could hardly walk. And yet he had a bag full of prescription meds and Rimadol and Prozac and stuff that it obviously wasn't working because he looked like he could hardly move. So uh, my business partner had been researching CBD. And I don't know if you know what CBD is. It's from the hemp plant. And it's the people get confused because they think, oh, it's marijuana. It's not. It's the opposite. It's, you know, it's not pot. And it's very healthy. It, uh for dogs, it improves their, you know, if they have seizures, anxiety issues, pain, uh, itching, all kinds of, of wonderful things. And so we um, hired two PhD scientists and said, first test our competition. Remember how I said it, it with greeting cards, I go out and look at your competition. So we tested it. And what they found was that most of the CBD products for dogs weren't that you know they weren't the quality of cbd wasn't very good and so we said okay let's put together a recipe that has the best cbd available that has products that are good for dogs like coconut oil pumpkin uh things that are 
that dogs love dehydrated bacon. You know, dogs love bacon, bacon, bacon. And so we came up with that. And what a difference. Uh, you can't see them from where I'm sitting right now, but both Zelda and Max Daddy, uh, Zelda is overly anxious and she, uh, she benefits so much from the Max Daddy bark nuggets. And, uh, no, Max Daddy is, has so much pain because he was kept in a cage and used for only breeding. So his joints always hurt him. And with the, uh, the ingredients in our product, he jumps around. I mean, he jumps up on the couch. Is he on the couch? No, no, he's over there. But he can jump. They play together. This was, and again, at 72, I did not plan to start a new company. But when I look and see how it's helping dogs around the world, that is my biggest reward. And so that's really what I love to do. And I probably would have a hard time answering what's your favorite because my favorite is that i must love dogs all the time <laughs> so what's so if, if you had to pick a color for zelda what's what do you think is a favorite color for zelda and a favorite color for max daddy okay for zelda our colors were black and yellow they were the b colors her yb normal card and her logo so that was uh, that was the color for zelda for max daddy probably red and black and we just had a, a team meeting. At one of our team members designed these baseball hats, and they're red with the with the Max Daddy logo on it. And let's see if I have it here. Well, I don't have the hat, but I can show you the Max Daddy logo. So there's the logo. Nice. It's, yes. It's on the way, and that's uh, that's Max Daddy. And you can see there's red on the uh on that color and then we add the red hat and so red fantastic so uh you've had uh, major successes with uh starting businesses expanding it so what's your favorite book in that regard anything that you would like to recommend for your audience and for creativity or entrepreneurship or anything of that nature i don't really have a, a favorite book that i think is is going to you know change someone's life at least i haven't read it so i don't have a favorite book to offer up uh, i think there are so many i'm i love to read and i'm an obsessive reader uh so this i i read and i read and i read and uh so i don't have a favorite though because i read too much Okay, fair enough. So uh, one final question within the rapid fire round, and that is, since you are so good at one-liners, uh, Carol, if you could have a message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? Think outside your cage. I like that. <laughs> That's great. And then I've got final three questions for you, Carol. And the first one is... Uh, what is your current personal or business passion project, and what are you looking forward to in the next six months? Oh, boy. Well, it's Max Daddy, and uh, we have just launched like a month and a half ago, so we're in the initial stages of our launch, and I would hope that 
people will have access to the Max Daddy products. And they can go to our website, and I'll be promotional right now, which would be www.maxdaddy.com and read about what CBD, I mean, it's, it's very informative and the scientific answers are all there for people who think, well, this might work for my dog, but I want to know more, uh, then I would you know, recommend doing that. So, And then we'll include all of that uh, in our show notes and the links as well so that you can find out more information about Max Addy, about Zelda Wisdom, and of course, uh, Carol Gardner. Okay, uh, the next question I have for you, uh, Carol, is what are three things you're grateful for in life today? Oh, uh, <laughs> one, the most important, Cal, is that every morning I wake up, and, uh, you know, having, as I said, I've gone through a lot of health issues, uh, and several of them not thinking I was going to survive, and every morning I pinch myself and go, wow, you know, another day, another gift to live, so that's that's one uh that's so big i don't even know you know what other two i would add to that i think that's the most important no that's great so what is it now yes really gratitude uh gratitude for my friends gratitude for my family gratitude for my health uh Gratitude for my dogs. Uh, now you have me started. I'll keep going on. <laughs> no, that's really, uh, really inspiring and touching. And uh, so I would like to acknowledge you, Carol, for a few things here. It is, you know, it started with your journey of how the inspiration that you received from your parents, you know, the freedom that they gave you and the lesson that they uh, taught you about, you know, really relying on your own identity and not just uh, going with uh, anything that shows up. It's really redefining yourself, knowing yourself. And you really took that message to heart. And you lived that life as a testament to the, your parents' wisdom. And, uh, and you know, it's really, you've honored uh, the, the this uh, commandment of Zelda wisdom of think outside the cage. And yeah. you have showed us. Uh, for all the younger generations as to how to live a life by being daring, by being different and being smart. So I really uh, applaud you for uh, for an amazing, amazing life and many, many more uh, uh, wonderful years uh, ahead of us. And so thank you for everything that you do. And uh, this with this amazing Max Daddy initiative, which is really uh, a contribution to dogs worldwide who might uh, benefit from uh, you know, healing and we're using CBD and uh, things of that nature. So thank you for doing what you do and uh, for being who you are. Cal, uh, it has been an honor and I've enjoyed every single second and I have savored every single second. Thank you. My pleasure. And one final question, and uh, Carol, and this is how we wrap up all our interviews. And that is, why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? Uh, I think we can all use a little more wisdom, no matter who we are. We should listen to our friends, our family, and you know, think about it. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you for for that feedback. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, you've been just amazing. And uh, for everybody listening, 
With that, we'll wrap it up. And if you like what you heard, please share. Don't be shy. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Carla Ras. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to wisdomoffriends.net to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We hope you'll pass along our web address, wisdomoffriends.net, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on the website for previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank Thank you. you. This has been a Seven Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of The Wisdom of Friends.